Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. Are you interested in advertising with the Action Catalyst? Our listeners could be hearing about your brand right here, right now. For details, shoot us an email at info at theactioncatalyst.com. Welcome to the Action Catalyst podcast. And today we continue our discussion with Jamie George, executive coach and a true expert on relationships, both business and personal. Jamie was our guest on episode 350 of the Action Catalyst, where we covered the importance of making agreements instead of assumptions and how expectations become regrets and more. So check out that episode if you haven't heard it already. Now let's jump back in as Jamie and I dive into the Enneagram model of personality and some tools that help diffuse a heated situation and lead to better future outcomes. I love being able to identify what's happening. You know, when emotions are high, when things are happening, let's combine a few things that are really popular right now. Let's say on the Enneagram, the spouse is an eight, the other spouse is a two. The eight comes in zero to 60. It's over leaving. Let's go with spilt milk. They spilled some milk on the counter and didn't clean it up. So eight walks in, the two's watching TV. You spilt milk. You didn't clean it up. You never do anything right. Like, why am I always cleaning up after you? Right? And as soon as you hear hyperbole, always, never. Yep. And then the two that doesn't have this training, that doesn't know name calling was just mm-hmm. involved, mm-hmm. Uh, hyperbole, always, never, extreme. Mm-hmm. They could either go, I'm so sorry. Let me go clean that for you. And they just get up and go. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes that might be the easiest thing. Yes, to do. yes. It's definitely the yes, easiest yes, thing to do. Yes. Uh, but it would yeah. perpetuate that. And I think that that's a very real situation a lot of people live with. That's true. Without going, wait a minute, this isn't right. This is way too much for spilt milk. And, um, and the irony and, with the two is the two goes to eight in stress. So what often happens with your two, your sweet little two that wants to do everything for you is like, you spilled that the other day. How can you just, you know, so here they go and it's on. And they're literally arguing over Over spilled milk. milk. (laughs) And the amount of of people and friends and and, uh, hypothetically, I've never experienced this ever, uh, that argue over the littlest things, but it's all this, this dynamic, you know? Yeah. Anytime you feel any of that tension, a great rule of thumb is just slow it down. The ego always wants to move fast. So let's role play the spilt milk. So what you would recommend with this training is slow down, breathe, Yep. repeat to them. Let me make sure I'm hearing you right. Good, yes. You're upset and you're upset because I spilt some milk and I left it on the counter. Are you asking me to stop what I'm doing right now to go clean the spilt milk? Is that what this telling me I always do something wrong approach was trying to get me to do? So now you're negotiating. Yes, brilliant. And, and then they say, well, yeah. And of course that's what I'm and, trying and to do. I don't do. want you to ever do it again. <laughs> right, right. And you say, I can try not to. Well, we wouldn't say try. Try is a deflecting okay. mechanism. Uh, my, my commitment to you is I did not mean to spill that milk, nor will I attempt to spill milk and leave it out intentionally to piss you off. 
and I'm fine to clean it. However, yeah. I have a request. And that is if something like this were to happen again, that you don't immediately assume I'm always trying to do something that's going to make you upset because I'm not. And so now we're creating a boundary to try to have it not happen again. Yeah. How's that sound for Beautiful. you? Beautiful. I'd add two things. One is uh, somewhere in there, I'd say, yes, I did spill the milk and not clean it up. And that wasn't kind. So it's a little ownership in there. Yep. And then the only other thing, there was a little something about I'll attempt to not spill the milk again so you don't get pissed off. So that you don't get pissed off. That little phrase right there is often just a little, a it's, little, a little it's a little, uh, little perpetrator. <laughs> and the other thing is I'm never responsible for your emotion. So I, whether you're pissed off or not pissed off is not something I can control. I can't control what emotion they're going to be in. Mm -hmm. I can control my behavior. So I'm never saying I'm sorry for your emotion. I'm sorry you're angry. No, <laughs> you think about it logically. How can I be sorry you're angry? If every married couple on the planet just tried that on, number one, it would be incredibly difficult. <laughs> yes, it's hard. And it would massively help their relationship. Tremendously. Because we're getting, we get out of the ambiguity again. Mm -hmm. and we get down to your behavior is your behavior and your emotion, but I can control mine. The presenting issue here is the issue is spilled milk. And of course, we haven't even entered into the piece that what if it wasn't me who spilled the milk? What if I spilled the milk because she left something out? You know, like that's before we had all the variations of that spilled milk, right? Yep. You see how quickly we get lost in that red space. Yep. But it's funny, as soon as you hear someone go, you know what? Yes, I spilled the milk. My bad. I'm sorry. <sighs> Most tension that balloon starts to shrink pretty quick. When you simply take ownership. Man, this is a tool that every person needs, whether they're in a relationship or not, or they're working at a company or not. Uh, just human interactions is totally the psychology of how to communicate the right way. Yeah. And when I think of this, it really is emotional intelligence. Yes. And I personally, you know, at Southwestern, we hire thousands of people every year. And I think the people that are the most successful, no matter which company mm. they're in, what position they're in, it's not really an IQ that causes them to be successful. We hire people that are 4.0s, people that have an MBA from Harvard. And granted, a lot of times those people are successful, mm -hmm. but that's not what makes them successful. Typically, it's the EQ. Yeah. If their job pertains to having something to do with humans, you know, okay. yeah, yes. If well you're said. a rocket yes. scientist, yes, right, right. I think you could get away with the IQ and not in a lab have, by yourself. In a lab by yourself. Right. But if you're dealing with people, which all of our businesses do, mm. the people that are the most successful have the highest EQ. So, what are your thoughts with emotional quotient mm -hmm. and applying it in terms of some of these scenarios where first someone has to have the self awareness mm -hmm. and the social awareness, then they have to have the self management. And then ultimately, the social management. And most people never even conceptualize what it even means to have social management. What are your thoughts on EQ and what people struggle with? And also, how do you coach them? Uh, so I'm with you 100%. So I do a lot of work with EQ. And your premise is something I'd agree with wholeheartedly. Lots of intelligent people, but they have trouble in companies, organizations, and systems with people. Eventually, it creates so much tension that you actually don't get to use their superpower. So I use three words. It's a progression. I can't remember where I got this from, but it's a progression. Awareness, acceptance, and action. 
So it begins with awareness. So part of that is just really kind of asking enough questions to find out what kind of awareness do they have? How connected are they here? I'll give you an example. I'm working with a client and the reason I'm working with him is because his HR department suggested I, <laughs> strong suggestion that I work with him in that he was not aware of his impact on other people. Mm. So when I had my first session with him, he's like, they don't know what they're talking about. Go ask these other people. I'm not having this kind of an impact. So I interviewed eight of them. He gave me the eight names. I interviewed them. They reinforced what HR was saying. So I sat with them and I'm like, well, here are the people you suggested I talk to. And they're saying the same thing as HR. Long pause. Well, I guess there's a problem. Now, to his credit, at that point, he needed more data. Once he got other data, to his credit, he went, okay, there's a problem. Took ownership. Now, he didn't understand totally what the problem was or what all of its impacts were in effect was. But to his credit, he went, okay, I can acknowledge this problem. And then we went through the coaching process. What I started doing is talking about impact. Now, there were about probably 20 variations of it, but it really came down to the way you communicate, your tone, and your way of being with human beings. Mm. That was the primary one. And so I said, would this be a possibility? So with people who don't have much awareness, you're presenting possibility. They have synapses firing. They have a groove in their brain, and they just see it this one way. Mm -hmm. You have to go... What if there could be another way? They just can't see it. So I said, look, whenever something goes wrong, you challenge it. You want to see the email chain. You want to see everything. You want to talk to people. You want to follow all the details. You want all this data. You come in hard and fast as a challenger. What if instead of challenging, you asked with a spirit of curiosity? <laughs> so initially, it's kind of a blank stare. Like, why would I do that? <laughs> what I said to him was, well, because you might have a different outcome. So this outcome has created a great deal of tension, suffering for you, yes, suffering for the team members, yes. So there's a lot of suffering happening and not the outcome you want. You might get the data you want. You might get some resolution you want in numbers, but the whole experience has been miserable for everybody. Is that fair? That's fair. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what if we try the next time somebody screws up, does something wrong, you ask a question and let them offer a response, but would you just hold the space for them to answer the question? And again, to his credit, he started practicing. It was super awkward for him. It was very hard. But what he did in the awareness acceptance action categories, the awareness began when he went, okay, I'm accepting there's a problem, ownership. And my action step, as awkward as it is, is to try a new possibility. And once he started to get real-time data from this possibility that his curiosity, letting people offer thoughts. And then, this is a big second piece to it, he went, instead of challenging and then micromanaging it, he got curious and then said, would you and your team come to me with some solution and resolve the problems on your own? Mm -hmm. Now you're empowering. Now you're empowering. Instead of getting defensive, get curious. Yes. And instead of micromanaging, empower. Yes. And the next thing you know is we're coaching, hey, I got to talk about my family thing about the, it begins to spill over immediately. Mm -hmm. That's the beauty. It's one of the things I love working with companies because, you know, if you can turn one person, you can often turn millions of dollars, especially if you're dealing with C-suite people, right? Mm -hmm. I'm watching him now thrive in other areas of his life because if it's happening here, there's a good chance it's happening other places mm -hmm. and other relationships that felt stifled are now feeling a new sense of freedom because he's leading with curiosity and empowerment. Mm. What about social awareness? where people just, they are okay with themselves and they don't say random stuff after having a beer and that offends people, right, right. but they just don't see obvious things. You know, you have to go back to what's obvious, right? Again, you and I both traveled the world and 
what's obvious in Estonia and Russia is not obvious in Nashville, Tennessee. What's obvious in Nashville, Tennessee is not obvious in Manhattan, New York. So family systems and culture are major players in what we consider to be obvious common sense or what we would call common courtesy or what's polite. So all those things have variations. you got to create agreements. Now, one of the agreements might be probably a good idea not to get drunk. Because when you get drunk, you say stupid stuff and there's going to be a lot of risk. Once you get past that and all those inhibitions are gone, all the things you were thinking about saying to the person that you didn't say to them, for some reason, when you were sober, there was a gate that said, I don't think this is a good idea. Mm-hmm. And when you were not sober, you didn't care. And now it creates a lot of turmoil because now we're all showing up on Monday and we got to clean up whatever you did over the weekend. I used to lead. I did a lot with orphan care around the world. I did about 15 different trips to Brazil in the 2000, early 2000s. So, and so when I took a team over, I would walk them through, hey, by the way, these hand gestures are not the same as the United States. Mm-hmm. So don't do this. And by the way, you know, definitely the time thing. Time is really arbitrary. You know, relationship trumps punctuality. Don't mm-hmm. get frustrated because we didn't leave on time. You're importing an American value to a South American system. Mm-hmm. So I would create agreements. So you understand that? You're not going to complain about this? That helped raise the social awareness, but we're really right back to get rid of the expectations and create agreements. In order to do that, just putting myself in the receiver's end, if I was going on that mission trip with you, would be uh, having to listen and not think about myself. For me to be socially aware, I have to pay attention. Hey, I'm going to another country. They're going to have other things going on. I'm out of my country Mm. and I have to put myself on the shelf Mm. and listen and defer and defer. And as I'm hearing you say that, what my mind went to was, okay, in order for me to actually do that, I couldn't be thinking about myself and how Mm. much fun I'm going to have or what am I going to say or what what am I doing? Because to be socially aware, you aren't thinking about yourself. It's really well said. And, And I loved your word. It's the power of listening. And most of us are not great listeners. It takes some training to really listen and be present with someone. And so I would say to any of your, for anybody in any of the companies, especially somebody who's jumping from one company to another, or you've got a new employee coming in, they're learning Southwestern culture. Mm -hmm. So one of the first things I'd say is, hey, you might be clever and you might be really smart and you might be really gregarious and all those things, but you may actually want to spend more time listening than talking. Watch observe, Mm -hmm. listen. There's a good chance you're not going to stick your foot in your mouth. There's a good chance you can avoid that if you'll watch the rhythms of this culture. And by the way, when we get in an airplane and we go to meet so-and-so because we're going to do a business deal with them in their culture, don't lead with your mouth. Lead with your ears. Don't go into Estonia and just think you know everything about Estonia. No, right. (laughs) I was invited to an experience in China and the Chinese were having a celebration and we went to the equivalent of like their Camp David. So it was like all the security and everything else and we're celebrating an organization's 30th year of working with the Chinese and it was an American organization. And I remember going in and there were some very like, hey, By the way, these are some important things. Like one of them was like, when you have your toast, put your glass underneath the lip of the other person's glass as a way of deference. Ah. But that was a great example of like just walking in and Mm -hmm. knowing I wouldn't have known that in a toast if someone hadn't helped me out and I wouldn't listen Listen. and waited and And, observed. Yeah. Uh, I had a similar one in Singapore. One time I did a keynote for the Chamber of Commerce in Singapore and a guy walked up to me, one of our team members and said, hey. I hope you're okay with me giving you some feedback about your speech. And I was like, sure. He goes, first off, I thought it was good, but you referenced this technique being ninja. Oh. And he said, do you know who the ninjas are 
to people in Singapore. Oh, no. And I said, I don't know, but I'm guessing it's not good. <laughs> and he said, they killed all of oh, our grandparents. Oh, good heavens. They're, they're mass murderers oh, that no. come in at night yeah. and kill people. Yeah, you're like, it's great being a terrorist. Yeah, yeah, that, that would be like that in America. <laughs> it would be the same thing oh, to my them. Gosh. And I said, okay. And I had a speech like a, a little bit later that day. And I said, so what do I replace this story with? <laughs> And he goes, Samurai. <laughs> we love Samurais. They're the good guys. Ninja, <sighs> bad guys. Samurai, good guys. Oh, my gosh. And that was a great social awareness there it is, lesson. Right? So then if they're going into self-management, I think this is self-management. It's yes. taking ownership, understanding how to set boundaries, understanding just how to communicate. It really does take a lot of effort. You know, people will spend their whole lives working on this and and there's not really a finish line no there is there, there's there not is. like oh i've got this covered uh so self-management's an ever-evolving thing and it's at the end of the day right it's about respect and love a pretty good working definition for love is presence you know what it's like when you're talking to someone and they keep looking at their phone or you're talking to them and they have their laptop up mm-hmm. and they're looking at you and looking at it and looking at you and looking at it or you're at a social setting and you're having a, at a cocktail party and you're talking and they keep looking over your shoulder for the next best conversation. Like we've all been in those scenarios where the person's not really present to us. Mm -hmm. What's being translated is I don't actually care about you or I care about so many other things more than I care about you. That's the message being sent Mm non-verbally. So we can't control their behavior. That may be who that person is, but we can control ours, which is, you know what? Hey, it's great to be with you. Let me put this down. By the way, I do have a doctor call. I might have to do a thing, but I want to be present here. I'm shifting my laptop. If I'm at the cocktail party, there might be lots of other conversations. This is something people say in cocktail parties are very funny. You know what? I'll let you go, man. Great to see you, but I'll let you go now. Like, I'll let you go? Well, I didn't ask to be like, oh, I'm good. Keep talking. <laughs> like, just to mess with them because like, I, like, it's us managing their behavior, right? Yeah. Instead of saying something like, this was an amazing conversation. It was great to connect with you. I got two or three people I want to make sure I connect with. Good to see you. Yeah. Slight shift. Hey, words matter. They do. Yeah. They do. Words construct your reality. Yeah. And your perception. They do. We're back to that thoughts, right? Yeah. And quantum theory, the observer's always having an impact on the reality. So what I show up with and say is impacting my own reality. And so many people don't want to be accountable for what they said. The, the amount of times that I've confronted someone that they said, well, that's not what I meant. What's well, what you said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now take us to the hardest part. Social management. I see you do it once a month. Mm -hmm. You are managing some high-powered personalities. Part of me is just watching it all play out and how you're managing very strong personalities and opinions. And you do a master level job of it, by the way. (laughs) What are some of your thoughts on how you orchestrate getting high-powered people, putting them in a room, getting them not to kill each other, and actually have some point to the meeting when you're all together? So so what are some of your thoughts on social management? What, What was really helpful for me, so I grew up acting, and so what was really helpful for me was I was part of an improv comedy troupe, just kind of an amateur one. But it was really helpful because the law of improv is you never shut it down. You never say no. So if someone's like, here's a hot potato, you're not like, no, it's not. Yeah. So you're like, here's a hot potato. I think it's actually a purple elephant. You know, like, so you, but the law of improv is you just keep, you can bounce it back and forth. It's playful and it's pleasant, right? Mm. So when I have high power personality, especially if they're contradicting your, one another, I'm often serving as a mediator or interpreter. 
So this guy says a thing and let's use the political spectrum. So we got somebody and he's like really far right. And he mm -hmm. just lays some massive thing down on, he's convinced this is what's going to happen with the end of the world, right? Mm -hmm. So he drops his thing. And I know <laughs> I got three or four people who do not see the world the same way, right? And so I'll mirror back. I'll go, okay, so I hear what you're saying from your perspective. In that one little qualifier, you see how I just lighten the room? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, so from your perspective, I immediately took it off of like the gavel has fallen. This is now the new reality. I immediately floated it up by going, oh, from your perspective. So, which means it now is subjective. Mm -hmm. You spoke it out like it's the subjective reality. I'm reframing. So I'm always reframing. Oh, so from mm -hmm. your perspective, you think that I think there's some other varying points on that. Now, if I'm okay with the conversation following that line, we're just going to run this political thing. Fine. I might offer the floor to some competing perspectives. If I'm not, that's actually derailing us from where we're going. I'll go, so from your perspective, that's an interesting point. Well, since what we're talking about tonight is about relationships and how we connect with our spouse, I wonder if, and I'll redirect. Love it. So the two words that are most important to me for social management are reframe and redirect. Reframe, redirect. So going with the political thing, I think this is on everybody's minds, whether they like it or not. We live in a world that's divided. Mm. And I think of evil and what does evil want? Divide, distract, conquer. Mm. Sun Tzu, Art of War. Yeah, right, uh, if right. You, if you want to conquer a nation, divide them, mm -hmm. distract them, and then they're yours for the taking. Yeah. And so if we have now progressed and we are like, I am aware of myself, I'm aware of socially what's going on. Mm -hmm. I'm now managing myself mm -hmm. and now I'm trying to manage these dynamics. I'm trying to help other people. So I've gotten to the Maslow hierarchy of right, need right. and I'm now in, I just want to help other people break free of their prison of their own mind. I want them to not be controlled mm -hmm. and I want to help socially manage what's going on to, to just help people get out of their own way yeah. or stop hurting each other. Yeah. So maybe those are the two goals. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to help as many people as I can stop hurting themselves and stop hurting other people. And let's stick with politics because it's just so yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. Walk us through what your thoughts are for world peace. <laughs> so, <laughs> what are the problems that are facing us right now? If you turned on CNN yeah. and then you turned on Fox and you had to watch five minutes of mm -hmm. CNN and then you watch five minutes of Fox mm -hmm. and then you sit down and you talk to someone who says, I'm a Democrat. Mm -hmm. And then you sit down with someone and says, I'm a Republican. And somebody's throwing out vaccines are going to cause zombie apocalypse. Mm -hmm. And then other people are saying, your grandma is going to be the first one to die from not wearing your mask. Mm -hmm. All that's happening. Right, right. What do you do with it? How do you help people through it? How do you socially manage that? So... My dad said to me when I was young, treat everybody as if they have a need because everybody does. So the presenting issue is political, but it's not actually where the emotion's coming from. The emotion is coming from a much deeper place. So for instance, the anti-vaccine people might, they're, what's coming up for them is I feel like my freedoms are being infringed upon, mm -hmm. right? And freedom matters to me. Why? So this isn't really about the vaccine. It's about freedom. And freedom is really important to you. Why? Well, because my dad never gave me my voice. The deeper root. So fears are coming up. Family of origin 
wounds. It's not really about the vaccine. We can argue about vaccines or we can go, what's underneath this? And there's probably a couple layers. And when I can get, go down to that bottom layer, which is you have fear. And what's the fear? Fear is always an imagined future collapse. Mm -hmm. So your imagination is super active. You've transported yourself into the future and you're imagining things that are happening. Mm -hmm. So my goal, first and foremost, is I want to pull you back to the present and I want to see you. So to me, no matter where anybody is on this whole spectrum, you have to create emotional safety. Are you judging me or will you really listen to me? Mm -hmm. So my first 15 minutes in most of these conversations, like I'm listening to their position on the vaccine. Everybody needs to get it. That's how you care for people. That's kind. It's looking out for other people or no one needs to get it, right? I'm listening to their position. I'm holding the space. Yeah. And now I'll go, okay, that sounds like some really interesting research on that. I say that a lot. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting because there's no judgment on it. I'm curious. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Hey, can we talk about why is that really important to you? And it's really a why. So listen, mirror back, get curious. And it's not that complicated. The word why is the easiest way in because now I'm looking for connection. All I'm doing is I'm just sitting here. I'm negotiating with you about the story you're telling. I haven't lost myself. So I'm kind of in my own boundaries too, but I'm actually, I want to listen to your position on this. Now, why is this really important to you? Once we get to the why, we usually drop down a layer. So now we're getting to some motives. Why are you not at peace? Mm -hmm. What's causing you to suffer? End up with trauma. Yeah, and, and often, right? <laughs> yeah. Usually within a few minutes, I'll have a pretty clear picture of what it is. Mm -hmm. A little temptation for me would be to rescue. Mm. I can remove all this tension for you. I am an empath. I often feel people's stuff quickly, and I have to not merge with them. Mm. I can join them. Mm -hmm. It's kind of interdependence, but I can't merge with them. Or I'll take all their stuff energetically. They'll walk out feeling like a million bucks. And I'm like, I got to take a nap. <laughs> you know, that's a boundary for me too. So, but I want to feel it. I don't want to rescue. I don't want to merge, mm -hmm. but I can feel it. Wow. I can see maybe we really got down underneath. Like, yeah, actually I never had a voice. My father abused me. And so when I think about other people taking away my freedoms, it makes me so angry. And, so, and I go, wow, I can't even imagine what that was like as a five-year-old or seven-year-old and I'm sorry. And Isn't that amazing that I'm just going to randomly say a large percent, I would say a significant portion of people that have political anger, Yeah, it's actually dealing with their own trauma yeah. and they're, they're now having a thing to use as a megaphone yeah. to put on other people to not deal with stuff that they're logically processing through. Because if it was about a vaccine or a mask, it would be so unemotional. Yep. It would be, well, if I am sick and I were to sneeze, having a mask actually would help. That's a very logical yeah. thing versus talking about I'm going to be put in a communist concentration camp right, if right. I wear a mask. Right, right, right. Uh, that's more emotional. Right. Um, that's really well said. There's so few people that are getting at the actual thing that is the topic. Yeah. And people love it. Yep. They want it. It's the weirdest thing. I have a producer who's a friend of mine who we were talking about reality shows. And she's like, you know, most people know this by now, but all reality shows are just crafted. And all they are is everything's a setup for drama all the time. Yeah. Because that's what's enjoyable to watch. Yeah. It's just a bunch of people taking ownership. Well, yeah, that's yeah, the most boring thing ever. <laughs> well, yeah, we're all good. Unless you set it in the context of story, right? You go back to like uh, Little House on the Prairie and you think of Charles. Um, pa. Yeah, 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 Pa. All right, thank you. Yes. Charles Ingalls. You, like, here's a man who 
often you were in the story, right? What he was endearing for like our, our, my parents' generation. And for me as a child, he was an endearing character because he was a guy who just take ownership and it was endearing because there was something that drew you to it. I was reading Ronald Reagan's presidential diary Mm. and it was a real contrast to some of our other political leaders who have been in power recently. And Mm -hmm. in his diary, just the self-deprecation and there was very little ego as he's just referencing his own experiences as they go. You can say what you want politically, but you can watch that with people and you'll find that it's endearing, but it's not dramatic unless you put it in the context of a story. In the story, you always gotta have some red because that's setting the frame for the contrast. Well, to be a level 10 leader, you have to understand these concepts. Yeah. You can't fake it. No, Leadership's you can't. not a title. It's assumed. And it's when the person talks, people actually respond. Mm. Yeah, I think of somebody like William Wallace. Mm. That guy couldn't just force people no, to right. go do what they did. George Washington, Nelson Mandela, those guys were operating out of ownership, negotiation, and boundaries. And they were fighting wars. Yes. It was true empowerment, leadership. And they had their moments, right? Like they had their moments too. All of us do. The difference between, to me, a great leader is you're going to have red moments. It's just the awareness and recognition of it and then moving to the green. So it can happen in microseconds. Now it takes a lot of practice. Because words matter. Because words matter. And the most difficult relationship in your life is where you get to do most of your practice, right? But we call that self-talk. And self-talk is what you say to yourself about yourself and what you say to yourself about what you do. Ooh, that's good. Spencer Hayes, our former majority shareholder, said the most important thing in life is your self-talk. Yeah, because you're back to what's true and what are your thoughts about what's true? Mm-hmm. Just a different way of languaging the same thing. And what you think about yourself is much different than sometimes even what you say about yeah, yourself. Yeah, that's true. That's good. <laughs> this is so, so fun talking through all these different, I mean, we've covered world peace, <laughs> uh, <laughs> emotional intelligence, and relationships. Yep. Love uh, it. But thank you for oh, taking the time you. to do this. It's just so fun. Every conversation is fun, but we're just so aligned and, and I love your way of being, way of thinking and the way that you you share things with the world. Thank you. Pleasure to be with you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.